Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Ire, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may please be seated. Listen. You cannot remain the same again after this program. All right, this program is designed to make sure that there is a radical shift in your life. And so if you were planning to leave the same way you came, your coming was a mistake because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. This morning, I want to teach you on something I've titled Vital Signs. Vital Signs. Vital Signs. And with the subtitle, When is My Spirit Normal? Yesterday, we started by teaching on righteousness consciousness, which is our new normal. The moment anyone hears the gospel and believes it, he has to be indoctrinated into the consciousness of the new normal, the righteousness consciousness. Because even if he's the same person in terms of physical attributes, there is a radical, miraculous shift on his inside. And so he must align his mind to the reality of his spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? And now we want to talk about something else. When is my spirit normal it's 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 an investigative study the ability to assess yourself discern your devotional life your state in god it's so crucial you see in the field of medicine we know that it is possible to look normal and something fundamental fundamental is wrong you know when some people maybe have a traumatic experience or an accident some may just come out and say i'm fine i'm fine but the proper thing to do is to go for a checkup because there is such a thing as internal injury there are a lot of people you know who have had accidents like that never went for a scan something broke into their body now this is not going to happen to anybody in jesus name all right but but it happens okay something broke inside your body and before you know it there are complications because it's internal and so when you go to a hospital, they don't judge by how you look. The first thing any reasonable hospital will do will be to check your vitals. There's something called vital signs. Vital signs. And vital signs are simply a clinical measurement, a clinical measurement that indicates the state of a patient's essential functions. I'll take that again. Clinical measurements that indicate the state of a patient's essential vital functions or sorry essential functions and by essential function functions we mean pulse rate temperature respiratory rate blood pressure you know they, they check all those things hallelujah and you see you see the same way when it comes to the things of god <laughs> There are vital signs. There are things to look out for. 
Can I tell you something? Without knowing someone, if I observe the person for a while, I will know if the person is in trouble or not. Hallelujah. The person may not see it yet, but there is a way you will go about your life that I would tell you accurately. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. These things are predictable. Are you listening to me? They're predictable. Just the same way a doctor checks someone's temperature and says, this is abnormal. Abnormal. Something must be wrong. The same thing applies spiritually. There, are, there, are, there is a way your life will be going and you know if something drastic doesn't happen. Some of you, that's why you came. You know the way my life is going. You will just begin to notice there are some things that were never there before that are seeping in. Initially, you were not as bothered, but they are getting serious. It's getting worse. Hallelujah. One of the biggest lessons we can learn from the fall of man is that you can die and still appear normal. I don't know about you, but, you know, especially growing up, when I read the story of the fall, I, I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't really get it. Because look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It was clear. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. You know, and so he eats of it. He discovers he's naked. He goes to hide himself. And then God is talking to him. I'm like, as a child, I'm like, what's going on? This is not a Nollywood movie. It's a Nollywood movie that after they shoot you, you say, ah, I'm dead. You know, what's going on here? You're meant to be dead. You're talking. You're explaining how you died. I don't get it. Hallelujah. It took 990 years for Adam to truly actually be put to the ground. 990 years after eating of the fruit, he was walking around. Someone who is not exposed to biblical reality will read that and say, oh, he appears to be fine. Everything is okay. But it was not. If you think he died 990 years after, you're making a mistake. He died the day the possibility of death entered him. You're not getting it. He died the moment death became a possibility. And so it might have taken 990 years to manifest, but he was never meant to die. God didn't create man to die. And what appeared to be normal in his life took 4,000 years to fix. Are, are you getting what I'm saying here? A mistake that appeared normal, the person who did it was walking around and no one observed anything. 
you know, strange about him. But it, it was such a grievous mistake he had made that it took 4,000 years to correct. 4,000 years. The promise to Abraham, the children of Israel in, in, in Egypt being tormented, needing a savior, the parting of the Red Sea, the giving of the law, everything because of that stuff Adam did. Think about that. So the actions in your life can have a generational impact and it will not appear so. Because normal does not mean popular. Are you getting what I'm saying? Normal does not mean popular. Normal refers to God's initial design. Can I tell you something? Of all the human beings that have ever walked the face of the earth, only two in our history know what it means to live without the possibility of death. Adam and Eve. Are you getting what I'm saying? Think about that. Only two. So it looks like everybody dies. Death is normal. But it's not. The fact that it's happening to everybody does not mean it's normal. It was never God's intention for man to ever die. And what I'm talking about is the essence of the gospel. He gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Because it was never God's intention for man to die. So, as it pertains to your Christian devotion, I'm just, I'm just telling you the fact that, you know, you're moving around, people are healing you, you know, you seem fine. How are you? I'm fine. May not be enough reason for you to be excited. You can be showing all the warning signs and it will take someone who is spiritually mature to say, no, this isn't normal. Praise the name of Jesus. That's what we mean by vital signs. <laughs> say, thank you, Jesus. So the question we must ask is, what is God's original design? How, how am I meant to function? What should be the normal of my life? It, you have to know what is normal for you to know when something is wrong. Maybe all that I've been saying thus far, you're just like, where is all this leading to? We are good. But maybe you, you even need to know what God's original design is. You see, and it's very beautiful the way the Bible is structured. The Bible gives no room for carnal responses. And this is what I mean. The Bible talks to you like you should already know. <laughs> so, if, if, I mean, the Bible literally begins this way. In the beginning, God. If a man was going to just naturally from a scientific carnal wisdom write the Bible, he will first explain and defend the existence of God. But the Bible, <laughs> the Bible gives no room for carnal responses. You ought to know there is a God. And so it says in the beginning, God, and goes on. Tells you with what he does. Hallelujah. 
Because the question about the existence of God is not normal. And so the Bible takes a form of communication that assumes you're normal. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just as though, I mean, when you see the way angels behaved in the Bible, it, they always appeared impatient. They always appeared because to them, humans are very slow. A very, you know, okay, Zachariah, he's, he's old. He's asking you, okay, how will this happen? You say, I will have a child, how? And then you say, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. Because you have doubted, calm down, sir. You know, I, I just, you know, so, so there is just, three days after the death of Jesus, people come to the tomb and the angel goes, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? You know, just say, good news is a lot, you know. Be social, be sociable. Don't you? I don't know what you guys do with your time. Don't you have Facebook, you know? <laughs> Calm down a little. You know, just, they expect you to know. Hallelujah. They, 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 they don't understand doubts. You are not getting me. It, it, they don't understand it. Their emotions can't, they don't make excuses for it. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He's risen, you know? Very, okay, look at this. So Jesus had been raised from the dead. He dwells with them 40 days. He's eating with them, dining with them, fishing with them and doing and telling them things about the kingdom. And then on the last day, they're literally outside. He begins to give them his final words. As he's giving them the final words, he levitates. Just imagine you were there. What will be going through your mind? You know how odd you'll be. You know, so he's talking and then he's going. Just imagine his voice is going fainter, fainter as he's going up and as the clouds receive him. So they're there looking. And then, you know, the next thing, the Bible says there were angels there. Say, why are you looking up? Don't you know the same way he goes, he will come down. I'm like, you just ruined the moment. You just ruined Like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's how the spirit realm is. The reason why some things fascinate us is because of carnality. It's just because of our human nature. Let me put it that way. Because can, carnality usually refers to people who are not saved. A human nature. In the spirit realm, nothing will amaze you. The Bible says that now we know in parts, we understand in parts. But on that day, what was in part will be perfected. No secrets to be revealed. Word of knowledge will not be needed. We all know. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying here? And so, you need to understand that interplay between the spirit realm and the natural. The interplay. The more you study about the spirit realm, the more you discover what you are so used to that you are not meant to be used to at all. If you don't understand the spirit realm, you will think angels are rude. You know, you're just, just rude. Praise the Lord. Angels want to wake someone up. They smooth him by the side. I can go on and on to give you examples. Usually very stern. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. As an angel woken you up before. Hallelujah. I woke up today to hear alarm. Bam, bam, 
You know, so I woke up, checked all the devices. I said, really? No, nothing was making that sound. <laughs> I said, really? So you're getting creative now. <laughs> I mean, I was here, bam, 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 like, guy, you should be praying. <laughs> when is my spirit normal? A lot of us have been taught that man is a tripartite being. It's not true. You have tripartite characteristics, but you are not a tripartite being. You are a spirit. You live in a body. You have a soul. You have tripartite characteristics, but you are not a tripartite being. Otherwise, when you change bodies, it will be a different person. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're going to receive a new body and it's still going to be you, it means your body was never you. It's just a casing. You don't change your case and someone goes, oh, you have a new phone. And you say, no, it's the same phone. And the person is like, what do you mean it's a new phone? No, I just changed the case. That's what I mean, it's a new phone. You're like, say whatever you want. Hallelujah. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And you see, even the concept of the soul is very, have you noticed, is very confusing to explain. The reason is because the soul is simply the interface between the spirit and the body. It is via the soul that information can pass from the spirit to the body and vice versa. That's, that's what the soul is. So technically, I mean, when you go to be with the Lord, it's not as if two people will come out of you. <laughs> hey, oh, who are you? I'm the soul. Okay, I'm the spirit. Nice to meet you. <laughs> that's not how it works. The soul is the interplay because you see, your spirit needs legal permission to function on the earth. And so you need a body. And for your spirit and your body to interact, you need a soul. And Kenneth again describes the soul. He says, it's the seat of your emotions, of your intellect. What's the third one, sir? And of your will. Thank you. Your emotions, your intellect, and your will. It is through the soul that you learn about your spirit. It is through the soul that you learn about your body. It's the seat of your intellect. It's the seat of your emotions. Many times the spirit of God is manifesting and you feel something. But it's not a feeling. But that's your soul interpreting something to your body. Do you understand what I'm saying? And many times it can limit you. <laughs> because now you're always looking for a feeling. You're a spirit being. And so you see, even many natural people who are not born again, you still see that spiritual activity there. 
And it's no surprise. That's how they're meant to function. Have you been standing somewhere and you felt someone looking at you? You just felt it that someone is looking at you. And you turn back and really someone was looking at you. You felt the person's eye at the back of your head. You just think. Sometimes you dream and you see future events. That's how you're really meant to function. Those things are normal. The reason you are surprised or that it doesn't come as often is because, for the natural man, because of the fall of man. Do you get where this, this is leading? So we want to point out all these things. What are the things that, that, that are strange? Because if you only learn from your senses, you will know very little. Did you hear what I said? If you only learn from your senses, you will know very little. What is popular is not necessarily normal. You know, when you're reading about heaven, the beings there, you know, on earth, they tell you this is an ego. This is a lion. This is a monkey. This is an elephant. But you go to heaven, and then you see someone with the head of a lion and the body of, don't even let's go into that. <laughs> you know, you know. And these are things that you, you, you struggle with because of your experience, your exposure. Hallelujah. Your concept of limitation and possibility is influenced greatly by your senses. As far as the natural man is concerned, there are some ailments that are not curable. And in the spirit realm, that's a joke. That's a joke. Did you hear what I just said? Incurable? What is that? What does that mean? Hallelujah. For with God, nothing. Did you hear what I said? For with God, say with me, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I'm making you say this because this is for someone here. Say with me, for with God, <laughs> nothing shall be impossible. Oh, ho, ho. hallelujah. Let's do it one more time. Say, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Say, and God lives in me. Say, for with me, <laughs> for me, nothing shall be impossible. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? And so when believing this becomes a difficulty, something terrible is wrong. And since we're talking about vital science, I just want to give you three things that if you saw, you know, okay, I need to give attention to this. Vital signs, just the same way the doctor says, oh, your temperature is high. You've lost your appetite. You're experiencing weakness in your body. I'm not a doctor, 
well, maybe things along those lines, and he says, this is malaria. The same way I can see someone and say, all of a sudden, 10 minutes prayer time is long for you. Do you know how serious that is? You come to a point in your life. You're praying, and it looks like if you pray five minutes more, you will die. Meanwhile, you started two minutes ago. And you know, because of how we are trained, we just think, uh, oh, I'm not praying the way I should pray. Oh. Oh. And you move on. You move on. Some people go to the hospital and the doctor shouts at them. What were you doing at home? Didn't you see your body temperature? What were you doing at home? This was an emergency. The same thing happens spiritually. Like, you go on two weeks without prayer in this world. Two weeks is too much. You go on one week without saying a prayer. One week is too much. You go on a full day without ordering a prayer. Ah, You should be concerned that you don't see the concern. You should cry that it did not make you cry. That's what we're talking about here. Things to watch out for. Are you with me? How many of them did I say I would share? There are more than three, but I'll share because time, time is running. Time always moves fast when you're doing things that are meaningful. Hallelujah. Except prayer. Time never moves fast when you're praying. Have you noticed this? Have you prayed two hours? You check time. It's two minutes. You're like, someone is reading this thing. <laughs> That's the only time time does not move fast when you're praying. <laughs> you will see it today. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it's part of what I'm saying. It get you, you, I mean... You can enter into a mood where you actually don't want the time to move fast because you're praying. There is a mood. I'm calling it mood just using natural human, you know, communication. It's a mood. Thank you, Lord. So the first thing I want to talk about is what I call error. Error. And then, okay, let me just touch on that and then we move on. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to touch this even more in the afternoon. It says, this I say then, walk in the spirit. And what will happen? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're talking about vital signs. So he's telling you, there are some things that if you see, it is because there were some things that you were not doing. (laughs) Walk in the spirit and you shall not. What a guarantee. 
If you walk in the Spirit, you shall. So now, what we call the fruits of the Spirit are simply the evidence of the Spirit's influence. Do you understand what I'm saying? The evidence of the Spirit's influence. The evidence of the influence of the Holy Ghost. When a man has the Holy Spirit dwelling in his heart and influencing his actions, these are the things you will see. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience. That's the normal of a man who has the Holy Ghost. But you see, the Spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit so that you cannot do the things that you would. So the outcomes of your life will be as a result of the prevalence of either the spirit or the flesh. And so, I don't need to be there to see you praying or studying, but if I see some things, are you getting what I'm saying? I was talking with a guy, I know him, cool-headed guy, believer, you know, and then someone came, said something simple, just casual, and the way the guy flirted up. Someone else, came, said something, he fled up, and then he said, I don't know why, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just urgy today. I said, you've not prayed, have you? He said, no. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I've given this example many times. Has it happened to you that you finished praying and you just started arranging your room? Has it happened to you before? Or you wanted to pray, and it was like the prayer will not flow if you don't tidy your room. You see, there, there, are some, there are impulses of the spirit. When your spirit is aligned, there will be order. You will arrange things. Your spirit cannot contain disorderliness. It can't. And that's what is manifesting even in the natural aspects of your life. You, you just want to arrange things. Have you ever finished praying and you say, okay, I'll call this person, I'll do this, I'll go here. You just have a sense of direction. That's what, that's what we are talking about. So when you see disorder, you see error. A man has entered into a state of anger. I'm not talk, just talking about outbursts of anger like, like Lagos Road. <laughs> but when it happens on the road... And then it happens at the office. And then it happens when you get back at home. And then you sleep and you carry it to the next morning. The sun rises and sets and your anger is still the same. Then something is wrong. And these things happen gradually. People hurt you. And then you hold on to it. You don't let go. Initially, the first person hurt you. Okay. The second person hurt you. The third person hurts you. And then it, it gets to a point you become so suspicious of everybody. So on the edge. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be careful. But now you, 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 you pick up a character that is anti-Christ. You are moody. You are sad. You transfer aggression. You treat people poorly. These are signs, warning signs. And then it tells you the fruit of the flesh. I mean, literally, these are things to, you say, oh, you see this? You see this? Oh, this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. 
this, this shouldn't be. Where money, you notice that this period of your life, money is getting a hold of you. It might have been circumstantial. Maybe you were broke for a long time. Now money has come. And then you overcompensate. You, you always know. You always know. You are not as generous as you should be. And even worse, still, you know, you begin to develop this superiority complex. You're driving, you see a friend, you wind down, you squint your eye. Have you noticed? Rich, all rich people have eye problems. I'm like, open your, what is wrong with you? So, how are you? Warning sign, warning sign. By the time it starts squinting, you know there's a problem. There's a problem. Money has caused eye problem. <laughs> Open your eye and talk to us. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come, are you getting what I'm saying? You just, or you, you just, I, I'm talking about something consistent. You have been in that state for a while. You pack your bags. You go for a camp meeting. Hallelujah. Because some maintenance checks must be done. Are you with me? Maintenance. See, normal does not mean automatic. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? There is a way your car is meant to function. It doesn't mean it will function like that without you being responsible for it. Normal doesn't mean automatic. For you to function normally is going to take some responsibility on your part. There are things to do. Things to know. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. So I'm, I'm, I'm usually surprised that some people are surprised about the outcomes of their life. Pastor, I don't know why I'm not prayerful. What do you mean you don't know why you're not prayerful? Hallelujah. You can't be prayerful without effort. You cannot be prayerful without effort. Praise the Lord. You can't build a prayer life. There is no, okay, you say, you don't know why you are not prayerful. There is nobody who is prayerful and knows why and does not know why. You can't be accidentally prayerful. It's going to take some effort. You'll be intentional about it. If you're not intentional, you will pick up habits. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know where you are? You are in a fallen world. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's going to happen. What, what did you think was going to happen? You know, a lady says, I moved into a new city. I kept checking for accommodation. I didn't find where to stay. So I stayed with a male friend. They now call the pastor, oh, I don't know what happened. What, what, do you mean? what do you mean to do? First of all, that's very dishonest. In the house, where did you stay? He only has one bed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You are functioning with a grace even Joseph did not have. 
<laughs> Joseph ran, you stayed, you know. You spent the night. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so there are things to watch out for. You know, the way I'm going, <laughs> the way I'm going, it's, this will not end well. There are some associations, by the time you begin to keep them, you know, and you just linger there. It's, the Bible says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. He's not, he's not giving you specifics. You walk, counsel, stand, sinners. You know, you, he's, just, he's just telling you, by saying sit or stand or walk, he's just telling you conclusively, have nothing to do. Do you understand? Don't stay there and overcome the temptation. Remove yourself. God's strategy for overcoming temptation has not changed. Don't stay in Sodom and, you know, be confessing. I know who I am. The righteousness of God in Christ. Do you understand? Eh -eh. Do you know there are some cities you shouldn't raise children in? There are some cities you shouldn't raise children in. Community matters. Exposure matters. These things haven't changed. Hallelujah. Are you paying attention? So what is the first thing I said? It might just be Normal. Do, do, you know, do you know what it means? At least what I'm saying is natural for many people, but as a spiritual person, do you know what it means to be in the wrong relationship one year, two years, and not know? Some are even almost, to, their discernment is totally damaged. People are even telling them, sister, this guy, he's up to no good. They're telling you. It's bad enough you didn't see it yourself. People are telling you, but you won't listen. You won't listen. This lady is up to no good. You won't listen. I'm going to teach on this. I, I need an entire session, maybe next year, one young and free. It's, it's a mystery how people who are powerful, men of strength, especially when it comes to relationship, are so vulnerable. So it's the mis I, I don't want to sound deep, you know, like all those prophets, but I, I, excuse this one. It's the mystery of something, you know? <laughs> you, are so, you can carry the gate of the city up a hill, but a woman will all wreck you, you know? <laughs> Why? Have you seen... Very brilliant people, academics, eh? Um, junior Wayek, eh? Wayek, eh? You know, undergraduate studies, they ace everything, then relationship. Very brilliant in everything else except relationship. Hallelujah. No discernment. No discernment. Mind you, it is true that God doesn't choose for you, but if God doesn't choose with you, 
you're going to have issues. Because let me tell you, one factor that makes relationship choices difficult. People change. People change. Many people make marital choices when their spouse has not been tested with money. That's just an example. The person you're about to get married to, he's just starting his career. So you don't know how he will behave when he has money. You don't know. So there, there are many things. He has not passed the money test. He has not seen life. Just straight from his father's house, then he put another person in the house. <laughs> you, you, you need, even if you made the right choice five years ago, it might not be the right choice later. Did you hear what I'm saying? So there still has to be that divine, oh, listen, I'm talking from experience. I'm, let me tell you something. When, when you pastor for one year, you become wise. You will see things. <laughs> I, I feel very old. You know, when I check the calendar, sometimes I forget my age. I'm serious. I'm not even, and it's not amnesia or anything. It's just sense of responsibility. Is this really my age? Because I'm old. Hallelujah. You may need to really look into the future. Hallelujah. Even the things that you are dying for. Some people were beautiful yesterday and not beautiful today. Have you seen some ladies that people were dying for in secondary school? And you see them now, you're like, ah. And the lady's like, don't you remember me? I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know? And vice versa, you see some guys. <laughs> They're like, ah. <laughs> They're like, ah, you've changed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The second thing I want to quickly talk about time is first spent is when spiritual devotion becomes difficult. That's another vital sign to look out for. Spiritual devotion becomes difficult. Let me tell you something. During prayer time or normal worship time, I can tell you unmistakably when something is wrong, especially if you're someone I've known for a while. You just see some people, you know, there was a time we had a program. I told someone, take prayer. The person just held the mic and was, <laughs> when the person came and I said, come, come, you've not been praying. <laughs> you've not been, what kind of, you, there is, the way you will hear the tongues, you say, ah, something is wrong. <laughs> something is damaged. This, this tongue <laughs> It's very still. <laughs> Flies are dancing on top of these things. Eh? Demons will chill. If you're, these tongues. Demons will be like, ah, so nice. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. What type of prayer is that? Hallelujah. See. If there is any take home and listen, many people experience their worst spiritual moments after camp meetings. 
Don't forget. Listen, it is natural for you. You have a propensity to tend to overcompensate. So after you attend a camp meeting, you've, haven't you noticed you eat worse after fasting? After the fasting, like this, hey, hey, bring everything, you know? You know? You know? You have the tendency to overcompensate. So after the camp meeting, you're just like, ah, I tried, you know? The next morning, you're just like, ah, all the prayer I've been praying since. I'm okay. Before you know it, you're back to square one. Do you understand? So, just on purpose, plan to pray long next week. You can plan it with a few friends. Go somewhere, pray. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because if this devotion culture we're trying to instill in you will become normal. Don't forget, normal doesn't mean automatic. You have to do something. There has to be that structure for it to last. For it to last. You just, you, you watch yourself. You say, ah, when was the last time I prayed one hour? Something is wrong. Prayer, generally, is not as much a problem in this country. You know what? And that has to break. And, and I hope none of you, you know, experiences what I'm saying. A lot of believers in this country don't read their Bible. I'm talking even preachers. Check it well. Especially these days. Just watch YouTube. You'll be okay. Watch a few things. Listen to media. Don't say ing. You know, and you pick a few catchphrases. Some people don't read the Bible. It's not normal. It's not right. And if you do that, you're going to have issues. So I'm taking you back to the elementary things that you assumed you have outgrown and now you're in trouble. <laughs> now you're in trouble. You go back to the basics. Remember this voice? Does it sound familiar? Read your Bible. Sing it. Uh -huh. Read your Bible and pray every day. If you want to. Hallelujah. You know, Maybe you just sang it casually in the children's church. It's affecting you now. <laughs> you should have listened. If you want to. How often did he say? Every day. And don't forget, normal doesn't mean automatic. If you don't determine when you will pray, when you will study, you won't. You know what I'm saying. You have to have a study time. You have to have a prayer time. And you see, habits are interconnected. This is what a lot of people don't know. Habits are really interconnected. There are some things that if you do, other things will follow. For instance, you are more likely to pray more if you listen to sermons. You are more likely to study if you read books. So, the, the, I mean, and of course, you're more likely to pray and study when you come to church. Even if you have not been praying, by the time you come, everyone else is praying. It rubs off on you. So, you have to watch out for the things 
that fuel the things you really want to see. There are some company, there are some friends, if you keep their company, you will not be prayerful. There are some friends, if you keep their company, you will start, you know, spiritual things won't matter as much to you. They might not even bring it up. But, you know, they just give you that vibe that you're too serious. You're too serious. And you know one thing about us, we always want to impress. There's a way an African child is trained. His real will and desire is suppressed. And so when you grow up, you go to a, an, an eatery, and they, they've studied your behavior. You just go, how much is pay water? 500 naira. You know, normally you say, pay water, 500 naira. How much is it outside? But you say, uh, give me two. <laughs> because you don't want to fall hand. We always kill ourselves, excuse the metaphor, to impress people who don't care. People who don't even care about us. Praise the Lord. And so by the time you're with that friend, I remember in secondary school then, some guys were talking somewhere. And okay, well, what's happening? Said, Let us not spoil you. I, I was now persuading them that what do you mean? Talk to me. <laughs> you know, the fact that they had seen me and they said, no, we shouldn't talk to him about this thing. But I was, you know, we don't like to feel left out. We don't like to feel left. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, I was almost persuading them to see how bad I am. Hallelujah. Have you noticed, even successful people, they must have one, you know, struggling story. You know, I mean, interviewers, when they say, what's your story? You know, they want something that can sell. Hallelujah. We always want to impress people. It matters who you roll with. It does. It matters who you work with. Glory be to God. Say thank you, Jesus. So right now, I want to give you a few minutes. What time every day are you going to pray and study? Write it down now. Think about it. I'm giving you a few minutes. That, that study plan, how will you go about it? Okay, um, I usually journey to work with my friend in the vehicle. As I'm going in the car, I will read my Bible on my iPad, you know, even if it's dark, because it's, uh, it, I mean the device has light, I will read my Bible. Or I will wake up earlier and devote 30 minutes, 30 minutes before prayer time, around 30 prayer time, I will study my Bible, then I will join the prayer time. Something like that. Something like that. And by the time we are done today, you are going to set a reminder on your phone. You have to be intentional about building your habits. You set a reminder. Okay, it's prayer time. It's prayer time. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Uh -huh. Thank you, Jesus. So number one is what? Number two is? And number three, I'm not going to spend time on this. The release of faith 
becomes difficult. The release of faith becomes difficult. Just two years ago, you could pray for anybody. Pray for anybody. Oh, you're sick. Can I pray with you? Can I agree with you in prayer? But now, ah, the enemy has sifted you. You don't even know. You are so light. It's, it's difficult to release your faith. Praise the name of Jesus. You see, one of the greatest faith stories is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And all the things people talk about, they are great. But they miss the point. Ah, that woman in heaven, I want to see her. Do you know what it means to be sick for 12 years, a decade and two? The Bible says she had tried everything spent money on different kinds of medicine and was not better. And then 12 years after, many people, even one year after, six months after, when they say, okay, come and try this one, they say, I beg, I beg, I'm tired. And maybe they would need persuasion. But 12 years after, she heard of Jesus and told herself, nobody told her. Do you know what it means to have the quality of mind to still want to try 12 years after? I can't... You, Listen, if, you've, if you haven't gone through stuff, you won't understand what I just said. That 12 years, years after, nobody dragged you. You left your house. And what you're thinking is, I will just go in the press and touch the hem of his garment and be healed. Nobody had to do a long seminar to explain and defend healing to you even after 12 years. You told yourself. That statement she said to herself is the most powerful thing in the whole story. She said to her, herself, if I would touch the hem of his garment. There was no teaching on that at that time. It takes, I mean, such a dimension of faith, even 12 years after. Some of you, just how many trials you don't want to try again? Hallelujah. You see, faith it's not just a gift of the Spirit. It's also a fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of the influence of the Spirit in your heart, have you noticed? You check gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, you see the gift of faith. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 6, you see faith there. It's also a fruit. The evidence of the influence of the Spirit, when you come to a point in your heart where you are no more sure, something is wrong. If you come to a point in your life where you don't believe that there is nothing good that God cannot do, something is wrong. It's a vital sign to look out for. Faith. Faith. Many, of, many people have that experience. Even Abraham had that experience. Abraham had an encounter with God and he, he told God, he said, oh, well, I have no heir. And one who is not of my house, a servant, is going to inherit my property. And God said to him, you're going to have a child. And he left that camp meeting, you know, basking in the, in the euphoria of the prophecy and speaking in tongues. Oh, I got a word from God and all of that. And then years later, nothing happened. It got to a point when God told him you have a child. He fell down and started laughing. 
This is, this is what happens to people. The same thing that got you excited years ago, now you hear it and you're like, please, don't, don't, don't go there. Hallelujah. But there is something about a connection with God, a connection with divinity. There is something that our prayer life sponsors in our hearts. Hallelujah. A man of prayer will always believe. I'm telling you. It opens you up to possibility. 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 That's why you should spend time praying. And I mean time. Spend time. Some of the things you are trying to conjure, trying to, you know, some have, you know, <laughs> you are struggling to align your mind. Your mind, don't, don't struggle. Spend time praying. Spend time praying. As you go on praying, you will just be, discover that the doubt is dropping. The doubt is dropping. Your confidence is being built. This is what's going to happen. Hallelujah. But you see, oh, Jesus. A lot of people have not learned to spend time doing anything worthwhile spiritually. That time factor, it's a major thing. That time factor. Check every ministry that has ever experienced what you would call a revival. They give quality time. Are you listening to me? You can't say, oh, I don't know why I don't have, I mean, I want to believe God is difficult. What do you, how will you believe? You prayed 15 minutes. 15. 15, ah, you have problems now. There's no prophecy of doom. You have problems. And because of the difficulty, I'm not even blaming the body. Things are incredibly difficult. I'm not blaming the body of Christ for this, but you know, the kind of price people call for halls, for event centers and all of this has made it so difficult. You do one indomie service in 40 minutes, you have finished everything. And then you go into the world and you think you will have the results of the early church. In the early church, they broke bread from house to house. They fellowshiped daily. Ah! If you don't do what they did, you won't see what they saw. It's not, it's normal. That's a fact of life. Hallelujah. You are bombarded with temptations seven days a week and you have just 40 minutes on a Sunday morning to fight back. I'm saying just 40 minutes because some people don't pray during the week. Not people in this church anyway. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So, well, you have to do something. Did people pray long in the early church? <laughs> Let me just show you a text. It's, it's, not, it's not very obvious when you see the text. But when you think about it deeply, you will get it. Look at Acts chapter 13 verse 2. Acts chapter 13 verse 2. Acts 13 2. Read it together. One, two, Go. I 
as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. You know, when you read this, you just think, they sang, be glorified. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Then as they were talking, the Holy Ghost said, separate. But for him to say, they fasted. You don't go for a six-hour meeting and say, ah, I fasted. That's not, you had a long meeting. That was not a fast. Are you getting what I'm saying? He says, if I can tell you, that means this meeting lasted at least 12 hours. Are you getting me? For him to say they fasted, it means it lasted at least 12 hours. Some of you are like, ah, what do you mean? My own fast is from 6 to 12. That must stop after this camp meeting. What is your problem? That's for, you know, when, when my parents were training me as a child, 8 years old, that's when I used to fast, I used to fast till 12. Hallelujah. Except if you have stomach problems. I'm not trying to make it difficult. I'm trying to... Why do you fast? I think that's the question. Why do you fast? Do you fast so you say, oh, yeah, I fasted today. Who are those that fasted? You raise your hand. Or do you want the results? If you want the results, do it well. Give it time. There are some people in a church, even if everybody says, you know, like some people, they took an oath on themselves. They said they will not eat until they kill Paul. <laughs> some people, they say, when they're there with everybody, everybody's gingering. Yes, we'll not eat until we do this. <laughs> now you go always, you, unfailingly. You are reliable in disappointment. <laughs> Now, what for the person, have you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, I mean, just go the extra mile. Just go. Now, we're about to pray for long. You know, somebody, someone jokingly told me, said, ah, I can't wait for the camp meeting. I was, so, I will just dodge the morning session. The person told me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't be the type of person who always, you, you will see some people the way they were doing last year, they went to the toilet 1,000 times in that prayer time. 1,000. <laughs> oh, robo bo 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 Toilet. You know? Listen. Don't cut corners. When it all comes down to it, we're not even watching you. We came for ourselves. We came for ourselves. Do it for yourself. Make it count. It will help you. You will need it. In Acts chapter 12, the Bible tells us the story. They had, they had arrested James, killed him, and they saw that it pleased the Jews, so they took Peter also. And then the Bible says, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Without ceasing. Do you know what it means to pray without You know the evidence of that? When he got out of prison and got home, they were still praying. 
They must have prayed for days. Are you getting what I'm saying? Prayed for. So listen, when we talk about orthodoxy, orthodoxy is not just talking about the doctrines of Christ. It's talking about Christian devotion also. If the people in the early church had this culture to prayer, I must have that culture too. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are not orthodox if you don't pray the way they prayed. You are not orthodox if you don't pray. Let me tell you something. And a ministry is not determined by what they say they believe. A ministry is determined by what they emphasize. They might have it on their website. We believe in evangelism. <laughs> Do you evangelize? It is what you emphasize that matters. You believe in prayer. Do you pray? And if you do, how much time have you given to it? There must be platforms, ministerial platforms for devotional expression. You give it enough time. Hallelujah. On Saturday, we are giving you the whole day. You must win souls. You, must, you won't grow if you don't win souls. Some of you, you want to flow in the gift of word of knowledge, but you, you want to sit at home. You may never function in the gifts of the Spirit, except if you get responsible. Jesus sat on that well. The moment the lady came, he knew about her. All the marital mistakes she had made, he knew. The gifts are for the assignments. If you are not being responsible, you might never see them grow. So we're going to pray. I'm just preparing you. Maybe if you need to remove your wristwatch, keep it in your bag. Hallelujah. Because we will not finish until we are done. We won't look at you and pity you and end it too. We say, ah, he's about to die. In Jesus' name we pray. No. <laughs> no. No. Personally, I have a struggle in my heart. Every time I'm preparing the camp meeting, schedule. I feel we don't pray enough. Hallelujah. And one camp meeting will just surprise you. We'll pray like this and finish the next day. Yeah, I like that response. Hallelujah. Especially as a minister of the gospel. It's not meat that we should leave the ministry of the gospel and serve tables. Appoint people over that. We will give ourselves continually. We're talking about a life. See, it's not a camp meeting. If the next time you pray this long is next year's camp meeting, you are not getting what I'm saying. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Can I tell you something? And I'm not talking about something for pastors alone. You see, one of the most profound things I ever heard a pastor say, you know, and I don't even really have a relationship with him. I just stumbled on the material, and then he said this. I never saw it that way. He was talking about Luke, the, the writer of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And he said, this guy was a medical doctor. Medical doctor. Not just that, he wrote the entire book of Luke 
to persuade someone. It was his evangelical effort to win one person to Christ. Did you hear what I said? Look at Luke chapter 1. Let me just read this to you and stir you up and then. Luke chapter 1. It says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order the declaration of those things which are most surely believed amongst us. He's talking about the earlier books, the earlier gospels, Mark and Matthew. He says a lot of people have written about it. But this is what he says. Even as much, even as they delivered them unto us from the beginning, which from the beginning were eyewitness and ministers of the word. Verse 3. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Now, this is, this is medical and edu educational exposure finding advantage. He's a good researcher. Other people have taken into account, I did my research, and he said, I have perfect understanding of all things. This is a medical doctor. So you can be an architect that knows the world well. Are you getting me? It's a perfect understanding of all things from the first. To write unto the in order, most excellent Theophilus. This whole book of Luke that is so long, some chapters, 90 verses, was a letter to one man named Theophilus. Luke took some time of medical research and, and practice to do research on everything that happened in Jesus' time, wrote it down. He had perfect understanding, wrote it down, and sent it as a letter just to convince one man. Are you with me? That's how far you can be willing to go. Don't run away from devotion. Don't run away from efforts. Invest your time. Invest your time. And you know what? When believers gather together and pray, hey, hey, you may not know the power of this because you've been in church too long. You've played religion too long. If you knew the power of prayer, nobody would persuade you to pray long. Hallelujah. If you knew that praying a little longer would mean that Peter would stand up, his chains would fall off, and he would walk off and come off that prison, nobody would persuade you. I was praying one day, and the Lord taught me this. I didn't discover it reading. He asked me, he said, mention all the places in the Bible where people pray together. So I stood, I mentioned as many as I could remember, Daniel and his friends, you know, um, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 12, I stood, and then he said, what do all those stories have in common? I said, in Acts chapter 4, there was an earthquake. In Acts chapter 12, the prison doors opened. In Acts chapter 13, the Holy Ghost said, he said, there is, you, listen, there is no precedence in the word of God, no single example for believers to gather together and pray and something miraculous and remarkable will not happen. It is not a biblical and theological possibility. Think about that. I'm talking about the power of corporate prayer now. Think about the potential. What we can achieve. What we can do. 
the impact we can have. Hallelujah. So what that means is that if every one of us here gives quality time to prayer, God and the Word of God has assured us it is not possible that when we are done, we remain the same. It's not possible. There is no example, there is no precedence in the Bible that people gather together. The only place where people gather together and pray that nothing happened are the prophets of Baal. <laughs> you have to understand this. That's the only place. But that the saints will gather and pray. Ah. Oh, something must change. We are not prophets of Baal. Hallelujah. When we call, fire will fall. Do you understand what I'm saying? Things will change. Chains will be broken. Doors will be open. Hallelujah. The sick will be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we had great miracles in Abuja. Great miracles. Great miracles. Some, some took some time to check. I don't think it's right, you know, but just took some time to check. And some people, you know, a lady... I, I was ministering and I said, growths in your body are cut off. I just said that. And a lady, days later, was bathing. She had some bumps in her back and they came off. Are you listening to me? Came off on her hand. Hallelujah. Listen, you're about to see the power of God manifest in your life. Listen, I don't know what the doctor told you. I don't know the, the experiences you've been having. Hallelujah. Things are about to change for the better. Hallelujah. I said things are about to change for the better. Yes. But listen, it's going to take time. It's going to take, don't be a bread and butter Christian. Jesus described the class of people. He said they received the word and they went away excited. But when tribulations and trials came, because they had no depth, it choked the word. So for the word to really work, you need to give it time. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So, so don't be excited. A lot of people have excitement and they have the semblance of a spiritual revival, but what they have is not the real thing. Just like Jesus breaking, you know, the bubble of the Jews. They said, our father gave us manners in the, in the wilderness. They said, what Moses gave you was not manna. I am the real bread. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you think your devotional life is, you have not really given it time. There is a real thing. Go for the real thing. Go for the real power. Don't go for explanation. Don't go for excuses. Don't go for gimmicks. Hallelujah. Don't build a church on gimmicks. Go for power. And if you give it time, you will see it. You will see it. You will see it. So you may feel tired from the encounter. Or like Jacob, after that encounter, your hip bone might be broken forever. Listen, he was limping for the rest of his life from an encounter. But he had a new name. He had met the God of Abraham. His life was never going to be the same. Hallelujah. It's an order of preference. There are some things that are permitted to break for your life to remain intact. A broken voice is better than a broken life. Give it time. Invest yourself in it. I'm not going to lie to you. You'll feel tired though. 
you feel tired. Of course, you are going to feel tired. Don't be surprised when you're fasting and you feel tired. What were you expecting? You feel tired. You feel hungry. That means he's walking. If you were not hungry, you did not fast. <laughs> Maybe, you know. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you ready to pray? Thank you, Jesus. I'm talking about a devotion life that will affect your generation. You will never be the same again. I want you to make it count. I'm taking my time to prepare you so that you will get it real. The Bible says, Abraham, God spoke to Abraham, so he read an altar and he worshipped God there. Many centuries after, the wind had blown. The remnants of the altar were scattered on the floor. It was just made of rocks. And by providence, his grandson just wandered to that place. And he was tired. And so he puts the stones as a pillar and slept on it. The moment he slept, he saw a ladder from that place to heaven. Hallelujah. Something had happened there. <laughs> Generations had passed, but the impact was still. Are you with me? Yes, sir. And he said, God was in this place, and I knew it not. And so he rebuilt the altar. He put, he put the stones back. This place is sacred. I'm talking about doing something in your devotion that your children will benefit from. Hallelujah. Where at the end of your life, like Isaac, you can tell your son, sit down, kneel down. I want to bless you. I want to give you something. Hallelujah. Laid hands on him and said, you are sustained with corn and wine. He didn't give him money. He credited him with something else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you have parents like that. You know what I'm saying. They gave you a heritage, an inheritance that has affected your life. What will you do for your children? This is the time to start building the stamina, the fortitude. Don't let the devil tempt you. When you're tired, pray. Jesus came to tap Peter when he was sleeping. He said, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. He first understood with him. I know you really want to pray, you're just tired. Notwithstanding, pray that you don't fall into temptation. Temptation will not understand that when you were meant to be praying, you felt tired. Ah, He's not ready. Let's come back. It doesn't work that way. If you don't pray, you will have issues. You will fall into temptations. You can set 2020 from now. Are you ready? Stand to your feet. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000 Blessings